What happens when we face difficult conversations? These conversations can heal. They can foster forgiveness. They can inspire and change perspective. Lean into these stories and discussions. I think both our guests and our listeners will find value in them. And selfishly, I know I will too. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lean In with Dr. Jabron Pasha. I'm Jabron Pasha, and I'm here with the amazing Dr. Juliana Kling, who we all know as Jewel. She and I go back to 2010, where we were fellow interns at Mayo Clinic doing our internal medicine residency out in Arizona. And I'm really excited to have her here. I am not at all surprised by her success her leadership status in, in the healthcare community. And we're going to talk about the health of members of the LGBTQ plus community. So Dr. Kling, Jewel, thank you for giving us some time this morning. Dr. Pasha, thank you so much for having me. It's just so exciting to be spending time with you. I'm thinking back to those fantastic and transformational years during residency. And I equally am impressed, but not surprised by everything that you've done in your career. Thanks for highlighting this important topic in your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And just a little bit of background about Dr. Kling. She is an internal medicine physician. She specializes in women's health and also in the care of our community members who are of the LGBTQ plus community. And I really want to just kind of start out by asking you how you kind of created this niche and, and what was it about this community that you wanted to serve as, as much as you possibly could? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And maybe before I share that, just for those listeners that aren't familiar with the acronym to make sure everybody has that information, you know, the LGBTQ plus stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and plus or questioning and represents a really large community that have diverse gender identities as well as sexual orientations, which those two things are very different as well. And we'll probably talk about it a little bit more. But my interest in working with this community and really advocating for this community started early on in my life. My father was a police officer. He was a homicide and sex crime detective, and he would work with communities to help reduce hate crimes. And I can remember him going to talk to LGBTQ community groups about how to reduce hate crimes and saw an example of somebody advocating on behalf of a community that didn't belong to that community and thought that was really powerful. And then kind of as I went on from other mentors, like my mom and professors and things like that, learned that using my voice, our voices as medical professionals to speak up could have potential profound impacts. In medical school, I had a colleague who really trusted me because of that and, and came out and being that safe space was really rewarding. But beyond that, recognized that we needed to create those safe space beyond just you know an individual. So I joined the American Medical Student Association and got to be their national chair for gender and sexuality and work on educating medical professionals because we have so little education in this space. And it really should fall onto our shoulders to understand how to best serve this community as opposed to them advocating on their own behalf. Wow. 
Well, you know, as you mentioned, the LGBTQ plus community is a very diverse community, but maybe we can start out talking about maybe some of the issues they face in general. And then if you want to talk about specifics, that would be great. But what are some of the general issues they face in, in the context of, of achieving health care and achieving health? Yeah, and that's a really important thing for us to be aware of in, in healthcare. Like, what are those barriers? What are those disparities? You know, historically, and I say historically, but I know it's it's still happening now. There's a lot of stigma and discrimination, both for LGBTQ people in their communities, with their family members, with their loved ones, but also experiences that they've had seeing medical professionals. And so that's, you know, rooted in kind of this historical experience at going to see a doctor that if maybe that person has an experience they've heard other community members have and maybe don't feel like it's a safe space to go and see a doctor or go into emergency department. And so there's, there's that. Then there's also the fact that we aren't trained and our systems aren't set up to be inclusive. So there's a lot of biases that are built into our medical record, to the even the kind of structure of our medical settings. And what, what I mean by that is, you know, if a form only asks if you are male or female, or if you have have a wife or a husband, particularly before gay marriage was legal, if you didn't fit into those areas, then you could see how you would come to the conclusion that this isn't a space that I'm accepted or can be my authentic self. So with those two big barriers, it creates a big challenge and something that we really... We're working on here, I'm working on, but we need to to work harder. Yeah, you know, it, it, it it really just highlights some of the issues that many marginalized communities face when they go to the doctor and they they don't feel validated. And in some cases, they feel invalidated. And so it, it's a, a pretty normal response to, to not want to be in that setting anymore. What are some ways that you have kind of found success in making certain groups feel comfortable in your care where otherwise they may not have felt comfortable with other providers? I think be- being intentional about being inclusive. So wearing something like I wear a pronoun pin so people know my pronouns and they don't have to ask or they may feel comfortable to share their pronouns, wearing a rainbow flag or even something that says, you know, I'm a safe person or a safe, you know, office or safe clinic. There's things that you can get in your exam room, like having materials that are inclusive, that visually represent different communities, different genders, different sexual relationships, or rather just relationships in general, so that somebody walks in and can see, hey, this looks like, you know, my community and I feel included here. Yeah. You know, I definitely feel like the the current political environment is boiling at all levels, whether it's federal, state, or even local. Um, just a, a week or two ago, we had a lot of campaigning for school board seats, and a school board candidate who thankfully lost on Tuesday was somewhat going viral with one of his rants where he was talking about a young girl who was eight years old who had saw an ad online that was advocating for gay rights. And this little girl asked her parents, you know, hey, if, if, if I'm not gay, does that mean I don't have rights? And you could understand that question from an eight-year-old. 
But this guy is going on a rant saying, well, we can't have that. We can't have our kids asking about these sorts of things. And then you have certain laws that are being passed or, or potentially being passed all over the, the country. How has the legal and political climate created more barriers for, for this community? That, that's a huge question. I don't know if I have the, the full answer, but certainly legal and policy issues have influenced the discrimination that's kind of been built in to how an LGBTQ person navigates the healthcare system, whether it's from you know having the opportunity to legally change your name if your gender identity you know doesn't match your sex assigned at birth, if you're not able to do that. So when you're entering your information into electronic medical records, it forces you to include what we call your dead name or your you know, name that had been associated with your sex assigned at birth. That's going to really both invalidate you as you're entering that, but then cause complications along the way. When the nurse is calling you in the exam room, when your physician meets with you, they're going to have access to that information that doesn't validate your authentic self or is not true to you anymore. And so you can see how legal policy issues can impact um, medical care. Beyond that, you have highlighted really well the kind of current political system. And, you know, I'm not sure the motivation. Broadening the access to equity doesn't mean that we're taking away from the the greater majority, but that seems to be how some people perceive it. We just had two bills passed in Arizona, one excluding transgender individuals in sports or kind of putting more restrictions around that, and then another making it illegal for physicians and medical practitioners to provide gender-affirming surgical care to minors. And so that just is a huge slippery slope when our politicians are telling us what we can and cannot do in the medical environment that's guided by evidence-based. I think it's a slippery slope, but beyond even the bigger issue that it's really highlighting these discriminatory policies. It's really infringing on our opportunity in, in medicine to provide evidence-based care to all of our patients. I, l- I love your, your comment in regards to improving the equity of one group doesn't take away any equity or rights uh, of another. I'm literally writing something about that right now because I, I truly feel like there is an ignorance t- t- in which some people actually believe that. You know, they treat equity as a, as a zero-sum game. There's only so much to go around. And if this group is asking for some, they're taking it away from me. And so I need to fight against that. And it's that mentality that, that has kind of polarized our, our country in ways that, that it probably has never been polarized. It's a, it's a very interesting, hateful, and damning perspective for people to take in, in regards to, to, to equity. One other question that I have is about just health disparities that maybe some members of this population, the LGBT population, face because of some of these barriers. Yeah, and I think an important thing to highlight when we talk about disparities, particularly for our transgender patients, is that many of the disparities, the increased numbers and certain outcomes are related to most really, I would say, are related to the stigma and discrimination that they faced, that it's not inherent to, you know, it's not about them being transgender. That means they're more likely to have depression or suicidal ideation. It's because of all of these challenges that we've already talked about. And those are some of the disparities we see, higher rates of trauma, higher rates of depression, higher rates of suicide attempts. That also, as we know in medicine, 
having depression, having adverse experiences translates to other higher risk, higher rates of substance use and tobacco and being overweight, which then translates to higher rates of diabetes and heart disease. So there's a lot of things that we see, but I think also serve as opportunities that if we can be intentional and create inclusive environments to better serve our our LGBTQ patients, then ideally longitudinally, we can make an impact on those disparities. Yeah. Yeah. The the disparities we see aren't the fault of the people who are experiencing those disparities. I think that's a really good way, important way of looking at it. Thanks for making that statement. You know, for Unfortunately, we have a system that often is unwelcoming to to marginalized groups. But despite that, you know, I say we because I'm in a marginalized group. We still need we still need health care. And so until these these systems are equitable and fair and safe, what can marginalized groups, but specifically in the case of the LGBTQ plus community, how can they advocate for themselves to get the care that they need? That's a, a great point, and that advocacy is so important. Although, kind of how I let off our discussion to Gibran, the idea that the marginalized groups should not be the ones responsible for making the changes. So, I do strongly believe that you know all of us, especially those that of us that may be part of the majority, need to be working on this. But with that said, LGBT people have a community and and many um, have resources within their community of other people that have navigated a healthcare system. So I think r- relying on those connections so that they know before they're seeing somebody, yeah, I've seen this doctor, I've seen this nurse, I've been to this healthcare facility and they treated me with grace. They, you know, asked my gender identity and honored that. Many of us in medicine are starting to, again, be intentional, like put that information on our websites. And I I think we probably need to do that so it's more visible. So people know even before they're calling to book an appointment, they know that they're going to be cared for equitably and with, you know, inclusive care that is appropriate for them. I know this doesn't address your your question, but us in medicine need to take that extra step. And whether that's advocating for additional learning in medical school or increasing our CME training so that we know how to care for LGBT people, that's important because once you have that knowledge, that community is going to see it and realize that the pressure of them teaching their doctor about how to prescribe something or talk about their relationship or talk about their gender identity doesn't fall to them is going to be of benefit. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because at the end of the day, it's our responsibility as, as healthcare workers to do what we can to to provide the best care for every patient. And so, and, and I don't know, and you may not have any suggestions that come off the top of your head, but for individuals who are looking to educate themselves now, do you know of any good, you know, physician or healthcare resources that we can look into to better educate ourselves. Yeah, there are 
institutions that are doing a really fabulous job in this regard. Organizations like the Fenway Institute, UCSF has some fantastic and easily accessible materials through their website. You know, even the basics like the terminology, what do you mean by transgender versus cisgender and non-binary? Those can be really complicated concepts at times. We have a transgender course here at Mayo Clinic that's a CME for physicians and advanced practitioners. And so there, there are certainly things out there. And I think even just a you know simple Google search, I'm hoping people will be able to access those resources. Wonderful. Well, you know, I, I'm so happy that you are one of, you know, many that are out there fighting for, for the rights of, of groups that, that need allies. They have someone in you that, that I know is, is going to really make their, their care better. So thank you for, for all the work that you're doing. Super proud of what you've accomplished and what you're going to continue to accomplish. I'm looking forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks here at the American College of Physicians Conference in Chicago. Yeah, me too. No, thank you so much for saying that, Gibran. And I think one of the areas that I left out that I just would love to say here too is allies and advocacy are so important, but also making sure that we're giving opportunities for LGBT people to join us in medicine and become physicians and lead the way. You know, creating that representation in medicine is so important. I work with some amazing colleagues that are of this community and they bring so much to the table that I, I think that's another area that we just, you know, need to keep keep uh, keeping that door open. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again. And I look forward to getting this out for people to, to use as a resource. Fantastic. I'll see you in Chicago. Yes. Thank you. Let me know your thoughts about this episode. I'm easy to reach on Twitter at Jabron Pasha, on Instagram at What Medicine Did, and on unlockingimplicitbias.com. Thanks for leaning in with me. <laughs>